to My Journey of Faith Radio with your host, Vicki Pets Henderson, physician, writer, speaker, encourager, and lover of God's Word. My Journey of Faith is a place to inspire, equip, and encourage women in their personal walks with Christ. Here's your host, Vicki Pets Henderson. Welcome to My Journey of Faith Radio. I'm so glad you joined me today. I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, but let me tell you, my biggest challenge is going to be to pronounce her name. My guest today is Lauren Lumba... Wait, 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 let me try again. Lumbambula. Lubambula. Lubambula. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to say that one more time. Lumbambula. Uh-huh, Lubambula. <laughs> okay, yep. I still don't have that right, but That's That's okay. okay. <laughs> Well, welcome to my journey of faith. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. So, your ministry is called Frontline Ministry mm-hmm. in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So, yes. tell us just what your ministry is about. Well, um, so the situation first, let me tell you the situation in Uganda, in East Africa, is that there are over 10,000 kids that live on the streets in Uganda. And, um, and so the ministry is called frontline because we see ourselves on the front lines of helping, um, these children and we focus mainly on boys. Um, and we frontline is a drop-in center at a local church in Uganda where boys can come in, um, every Saturday and they, our goal is to, to give them the help, hope and healing love of Christ at our center. And so um, when they come in, we it's kind of like a vacation Bible school, if you're familiar with that. We give them medical treatment, basic medical care. We play games and um, do academic lessons. Um, sometimes we will we'll have a, a special story time or something. But every week when those boys are with us, um, we we always feed them in two ways. We say we feed them physically with a, a meal of rice and beans and some fruit, and then we will feed them spiritually. We will always take time to, to share the word with them, um, to teach them a Bible story. And our goal is not to enable them to, to live on the streets and to stay there, but to enable them to leave the streets. Um, our goal is to to build relationships with them to the point that they'll trust us to take them back home, which sometimes can be difficult. Um, so we're trying to um, we're trying to get boys to leave the streets and to get off of the streets. So what age boys are we talking about? <laughs> they can be anywhere from six or seven years old up to eighteen. Wow, living on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you have a six-year-old that lives on the street, do you mm-hmm. mean are they orphans, or they have homes that they've left, or do they live with an older person? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of work in Africa and other areas where people think there are many, many orphans. But actually, our boys are not usually orphans. Sometimes they are. Um, but there's different reasons why um, some of these little guys can end up on the streets. A lot of it is rooted in dysfunction in the family is where it's rooted. Um, they can run away to the streets, maybe because a family member died, and um, it could be a mother or a father, um, and then there's some struggle in the family to kind of restabilize after that death, and so a boy will run to the streets. Sometimes it can be 
extreme neglect where they're not being taken care of. Sometimes it can be extreme abuse. There's um, um, some serious cases of physical abuse that these boys are running away from and they come to the streets. Um, sometimes uh, poverty is probably one of the greatest um, push factors, pushing them away from home. If they're not going to school, if they're not getting enough food at home, then um, oftentimes they sometimes will think that, well, if I go to the big city, I can, I can work and I can have money and I can take care of myself. But once they reach, um, there's a reality that hits them that they can't take care of themselves. Well, but by that point, they're not able to get back home. They don't know how to get back home or they don't have the finances to get back home. So that's where we try to step in and and intervene and, and try to get them back home if wow. possible. That's heartbreaking <laughs> to think about. It, it I mean, is, we just don't have is. any kind of concept of that, I don't think, right. in America. And it sounds not like it's, it's a cultural thing almost that Sometimes. they take to the streets. So how many, I mean, do you have the same group of boys that come back over and over and over for a season or is it just different every week? It kind of depends. We do have kind of a core group of a few boys. So every week we have anywhere from 40 up to 60 boys that come in. Um, and around Christmas time it could be up to 100 because they're looking for a special Christmas meal. Is what they're looking. So we can have a lot of boys at that time. Usually it's 40 to 60, and we have probably 10 boys around there. That would be a core group, but research shows there's 16 new boys every day or new children that come to the streets every day, 16. And so a lot of times um, we have boys who are new to the streets um, that have just reached that um, – that are, are needing our help and, and needing to get back. So sometimes it can be the same, but our goal is for us to have new boys all the time because new other boys are going home. That's our goal is for them to be going home. So if a new boy comes, we try to get them back out the door. So what size city is this that you work in? <laughs> so Kampala is the capital city of Uganda. That's where we are. And they have more than 1.2 million people. And do these boys come from villages or Sometimes small from towns? villages. Um, some boys, there is a town that, that it takes us about three hours to drive there. And there were there was a group of ten boys once who walked all the way. Oh, wow. And it took us three hours just to drive there in a car. Some boys are from way up north in Uganda that could take two days of driving to get there. So um, how do they know you exist? <laughs> just word of mouth? Every... Or? Well, about Frontline, how does our program exist, or uh -huh. just the city? Yes, how does your program exist? Okay, they, street boys really come, try to come together to survive. If they see, if there's a boy walking around and he sees another boy that looks like he doesn't have his parents or something, they come together, and the boys who already know we are there, they'll bring the new ones. So they tell the other boys, hey, I know where you can get some food, I know where you can get some sleep. You know, I know a place that we can go that can help us. And so it's boys who are already coming that bring um, 
bring new boys. And it's mm-hmm. you and your husband that mm-hmm. run the center. So tell us about mm-hmm. your husband and where mm-hmm. you met him. <laughs> well, I met him there in Uganda. He's a Ugandan. His name is Jeffrey. Um, and we met in one of the slums, one of the slums in Uganda, uh, in Kampala. Uh, he was volunteering with an organization. He grew up sometime on the streets as well. He spent really? time on the streets. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being helped um, by another organization helping street children. And he graduated high school. He went to the YMCA and graduated with a diploma in travel and tourism. But it took just a short while of working in travel and tourism that then he realized, I really need to go back. And I want to go back to the streets and help the boys like I was helped myself. And that's the story of our whole team. We have a team of men and one other girl that work with us. And all of those men, there are three or four of them, all of them came from the streets just like Jeff and they've all come back to the streets trying to help boys now to be able to go home. That is so incredibly <laughs> beautiful and yeah. so incredibly inspiring <laughs> and is. challenging for each yeah. person, I feel like, to give back. Because I quote, I always quote on this, this program, it seems like every person I talk to, I quote First Corinthians that says, We suffer so that we can minister to those who are suffering and offer the comfort that we have received. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of going back and ministering to those who are suffering in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And that's just so beautiful. Plus, I imagine it gives the boys a sense of connectivity. Right, yeah. And really, we want the boys to be able to develop a relationship with these guys. And they call them uncles. So we don't have Mr. and Mrs. so much in Uganda. I'm called Auntie Lauren. And then the boys are, the men are all Uncle Jeff, Uncle David, Uncle, you know. And so we need them to be able to develop a trusting relationship um, with the uncles because sometimes we need to take them back home to assess the home situation. If they want to get off the streets, the government mandates we go for a home visit. Well, if this boy was severely abused by his family, he's not going to feel safe to go back home. But if he has an uncle who he's spent time with that he trusts and he knows that that uncle has his best interest at heart, then he's willing to take that step in leaving the streets and in going back home. But if it's not a a safe situation at home, we never leave a child there. Um, There are alternative places with partnering organizations where we can take a child to stay for a short time while social workers try to find some extended family, a safe, secure environment for that boy to live um, forever in. Just at that very moment, he cannot stay at home. So we take him to, we kind of call it a transitional home where he can at least be off the streets, he's safe, he goes to school, he can have his own bed, you know, he goes to church, he's being um, he's being loved and cared for until until we find a, a permanent solution. And you really him. are his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are there any, there are other women that work in the program as well? There are other, uh-huh, yeah. And so we have one other lady, Auntie Jackie is her name. And I once asked Jeff, when we first were dating, I said, Jeff, do you think there just need to be men at these programs? Because it's boys, you know, we're focused on boys. And he said, no, he said, you know, women bring a different touch, a different gentleness and a kindness that these boys need. Um, And he said, I think we balance each other really well um, when you have both a 
a man that can be strong and firm, but also um, a mother figure or sure. an auntie who can be a little bit more gentle and encouraging at times, which the boys need. They do. They need that tenderness. Mm-hmm. They need they a man do. to teach them how to be a man, but sometimes yes. they just need that balance of tenderness. and. Right. And I think that's why God designed mm-hmm. the home to have a mother yes. and a father because, you know, that, that mother is going to just pull them close and, mm-hmm. and be tender. <laughs> so how long has this program been in existence? Um, Frontline has been um, running for for about 10 years, but we've just been there in the last couple of years. So, But there are other organizations um, that have been doing the same thing for, for many years, probably more than 20 years. So you probably haven't been there long enough yet to see one of your mm-hmm. graduates oh. come back and work in the program. But does that happen? Not yet. Not one of my own. But I, we do have young men who are have finished their secondary school and they're going to maybe the YMCA like my husband or university, um, an official university. And we have had those young guys come back. They're in their 20s and they talk to the boys about how their life changed mm-hmm. when they chose to leave the streets. Because sometimes these boys struggle to make the decision to finally leave the street. You know, when they first reach, they I think they're kind of in shock. They realize... I don't have money. I don't have a parent cooking for me. I don't have anyone to help me. And I've got to figure things out on my own. And they get hungry very quickly. And um, and at first it's kind of in shock. But after a while, unfortunately, they become comfortable in their street life. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're comfortable not having to bathe all the time or wash all the time or go to school. But our goal is to try and get them before that. Um, but sometimes a kid has been on the street so long that he's just used to that. That's what he's used to. And so it's good for these, these older men, um, these guys to come back as role models and encourage the boys, say, look at what can happen if you choose to leave the streets, if you choose to, you know, to make different decisions and work hard and go to school and study, um, your life isn't over yet. You know, you can you can change the path that you're on. And so we're really grateful when those guys come back. Um, but I, I'm waiting to see that day when one of my own boys, what I think of as my boy, you know, for one of them to be able to do that. That is so cool. And that's mm-hmm. that's what it takes, whether it's addiction mm-hmm. or or some kind of a abusive situation here mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. I know I taught Sunday school for about nine years, and so many t- times I felt like, well, the women couldn't relate to me because I had not been there, so to speak, and they could relate so much more to somebody maybe that had just come out of an abusive mm-hmm. situation or come out of addiction and been clean for a short period of time that they could look, look back right. and say, look at me. Look what Jesus mm-hmm. did for me. Yeah. You know, Look at the life change that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And my husband always tells, um, tells our team, you know what, guys? We cannot change these boys. We can't change them. We can't change their hearts. We don't have that ability. But God can use us, and God can change their hearts. And that's what we need to focus on is that God is just using us as a tool to to help these boys. But it's God who's able to change them. And that's our goal is, you know, like I said, we feed them physically every time they come, and we feed them spiritually. And really, um, our goal is for them to become rooted in God's love. And Ephesians in Ephesians, it talks about that, about, you know, I want you to really know how deep and how wide God's love is. And I want it to, to take root 
down in your heart. And that's really our prayer for these boys is that they will see it in Jeff and my husband and then the other uncles. Um, and that God's love will really take root in their hearts because that's what they're lacking. And my husband, he shares that when he was young, he was his parents were not in his life and he was taken to different places um, and he would live with people and one time he had started kind of running away from the home during the day he would pretend he was going to school then he would get with his friend and they would go play all day long and then they'd come back at the end of the day as if they had been in school oh, no. okay? <laughs> well <laughs> After that happened several times, they started getting in trouble. He would get in trouble. And one time, there was a, a woman who was kind of trying to take care of them, and she said, but Jeffrey, don't we feed you? Don't we send you to school? We give you a mattress. We give you clothes. And, and as a child, he was like, well, yeah, that's right. But he didn't know what he was lacking. And just recently, this last year, someone asked Jeff, why was it that you ran to the streets? And he wasn't quite sure. No one had really directly asked him so seriously. And Ugandans can be very private and very closed off at times. And, and I try to respect that in my husband. And, and that night he went home and started thinking about it. And the next morning he said, Lauren, I figured it out. Yes, my physical needs were taken care of, but there's more poverty than just our physical poverty. There's an emotional poverty that someone can experience and a spiritual poverty. Um, and there's a really excellent book called When Helping Hurts mm -hmm. that talks about that. those things. Mm -hmm. And the, in the case of my husband, all of his needs were taken care of physically, but he was never loved. Mm. He was never really loved and cared for. And that's why he left. That's why he ran away to the streets. And for him to be able to love this big and to love this effectively yeah. is such evidence of mm -hmm. God right. changing his heart and yeah. bringing that dead thing to life. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, it's funny because when he first ended up on the streets, the first person who helped him was a pastor. And this pastor didn't have much. He could not send him and his friends to school. He ended up taking Jeffrey and about four or five other boys. They were all together in a group. And, and this pastor could not send them to school. He didn't even have mattresses or a place for them to sleep, really, except inside the church. But he did what he could do. And Jeff even remembers there was a time when he did bring mattresses for them to sleep on, and they were so excited. And he, Jeff said, we only ate one meal a day. But wow. that man loved us. And he cared about our future. He took them into their church. And there were a group of women in this church, all a little bit older women. And each of these ladies adopted each one of the boys that had come. And they poured into those boys. And Jeff said, you know, again, these people couldn't take us to school. They didn't buy us a bunch of things. But they loved us. And they cared about us. And that is where Jeff saw through one of the aunties, Auntie Rose, he saw Christ's love, and he saw how God could impact someone's life. Um, and so, you know, we can't do a ton for these boys, but we do what we can. And just like that pastor did, he did what he could do. And so we're trying to do what we can. But if these boys can know that they are truly loved by the creator of the entire universe, if they um, can allow that to transform their hearts, that's, that's really our goal.
And that's so what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. I mean, that the greatest of these is love. Right. You know, that love is the most important attribute and aspect of God and the greatest way that we can share him with others. I love that. That is so beautiful. So now speaking of not having mattresses and the inability to spend, you know, to send them to school, Mm -hmm. how are you financially supported? Um, Well, there's different ways that... um, that frontline is supported. Personally, my husband and I, there are, are people who just say, we want to invest in Uganda as well. We want to invest in what God is doing through these future leaders of families and, and of Uganda. And so people um, give to us um, either just what they can, when they can, or there are some people who come alongside us monthly um, through through our sending agency. So we have um, an organization that um, that handles finances for us. So people just say, we want to invest in the kingdom, and we want to come alongside you guys. We see that God has called you to do this, and we want to be a part of that. And they are senders for us, so we consider ourselves the goers. And, and if you're not a goer, then you should be a sender. Absolutely. <laughs> and so... And so there are people who partner with us, as well as our church, um, several churches, actually, that decide to be a part of it financially. Great. And so there's information about that on your website. Mm-hmm. So your website is gracetothestreets.com. Mm-hmm. And do you manage that? Do you do you blog? Do you post updates there? We have pictures and information. Uh-huh. And we do update the blog. We try to do it about once a month. Um and we do more frequent updates through the Frontline Facebook page. Okay. So the, the ministry at the church where we're working, Frontline Ministry Uganda, has a, a Facebook page where we try to make updates more often of, of what's going on with the boys and our, our weekly programs. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Any other social media outlets where we can find no, you? No, we keep it pretty straightforward and simple. No Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> no. Pinterest? You know what, since I've, since I've been living in Uganda... I cannot figure all that stuff out. I you feel probably like need to be on Instagram everything. because I think people would love to see pictures. Pictures yes. would and be I awesome. To, I okay. try to do that on Facebook, but yeah, I just I tried Instagram and I just oh, I'm just not. I feel like I lag behind in technology when I live in Uganda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure things are very very different. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, what about do you have? Short-term, people that come over and help you short-term from the United States or other countries? Yes, we do. Um, so last year, we had a team from Israel, actually. Oh, how cool. And it was really, really incredible. It was really, really a special, um, a special time. These were university students who had just, um, just finished um, some service in the military. So they have a compulsory service that they have to complete, and um, and then they were going into university, and they were finishing university, coming back after those experiences, and they have to go on, on a trip. And so every year, this certain man brings a team to Uganda, and so... Um, so they came and and they played games with our boys and they did a skit. The guys did a skit about how to get out of sin, um, which was really powerful. And our boys just loved it. They love when visitors come. They really do. Um, and then this last year, we partner with an or- another organization that has a heart for children. And they had teams coming to Uganda from Northern Ireland. 
And so they brought about four or five teams from Northern Ireland of teenagers, men who are my father's age in their 60s, you know, um, and every age in between, men, women, grandparents, um, children. There was a, a father-daughter on one trip. There was a father and his daughter, and we had outreaches um, with sometimes 100 boys on those wow. days just out on a big football field playing games, just showing the boys that they're loved that and God awesome. loves you. And it yeah. also changes you. I know I've been on several mm-hmm. short-term mission trips, and, and I always say it changes you. It changes mm-hmm. your worldview. Mm-hmm. It just changes your priorities. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it is so good, and I would encourage anyone that's never been on a short-term <laughs> trip to go, which leads me to my last question. I think we have time for one yes. more question. Mm-hmm. How in the world did you wind up in the Eastern uh, Africa? <laughs> oh, boy, do we have time. Um, I'll make it. I'll try to keep it short. So I grew up here at Russellville First Free Will Baptist Church. It's now called Connect Church, and I was given many opportunities to serve internationally, go on short-term trips, as you're talking about. Um, And in those experiences, I always enjoyed this cross-cultural experience. You know, I I loved um, hearing the different languages and foods, and and I always enjoyed that. And I ended up... um, Going after high school, I went to the University of Arkansas on a marching band scholarship, actually, and I I studied for five years and graduated with a master's in education. I came back and I was a teacher for two years, third grade in Dardanelle, and I um, I just felt unsettled after two years of teaching, and I just kept praying for God to to guide me and and to show me what He wanted me to do, and and my youth pastor. I had gone, he had asked me to go on a, on a trip as a sponsor with some students to Japan. And when we were there, he just said, Lauren, to be honest, I'm really surprised you're still here. I really thought God was sending you out somewhere. And I was so challenged by that. And the missionary there, he just said, you know, God is telling us to go, to go, whether that's to go in our town, in our own country or somewhere else. But don't just sit there. Don't say you're looking for God to show you because he's made it very obvious that we're to go. And so I walked up to so many doors and so many were closed, but I just kept praying, God, where you want me to go, I'm going to go. Just close the door if you don't want me to be there, but I'm going to start walking. So I applied at several different places and Uganda's what opened up. I just, I just kept walking and said, God, if I'm not supposed to go to this place, just don't let it work out. And wow. I ended up in Uganda. That's amazing. <laughs> so now I'm, lear- I'm assuming that you had to learn the language. How fluent are you? <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> oh, I have studied off and on, um, and I have been trying to learn the local language, which is Luganda. Okay. Okay. But there's 60, more than 60 languages oh, wow. in the country, but in the in the capital city, it's Luganda, and I've learned some, but uh, I'm still working on it. But I can talk to my boys, ask them how they are, where they've come from that day, where they were, um, and just, you know, basic things. So, okay, so yeah. say one thing for us in Luganda, please. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, I could say, um, uh-huh, which is like, how are all of you? I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to be here today. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful language. <laughs> okay. Well, as we close, I'm going to try to say one more thing. I'm going to say thank you, Lauren 
Lumbambula. Lumbambula. Yeah. That was better. Good. That was better yeah. for being Sorry. with us and telling us about Frontline Ministries Uganda. This is such a beautiful program, and thank you so much for sharing your heart. Thank you for having me. <laughs>